and like take us. Episode 6, Pencil Talk Live, featuring your two hosts, Jack Delongshaw, joined with Cole German. You've heard of the flu game. You've heard of some of the most spectacular performances when individuals needed to be their best. They were their best. Well, let me tell you, the sport of podcasting requires a certain level of integrity, loyalty, grit, strength. Well, let me tell you, there's not a guy that's going to display that more and better today than my host, Jerm. Jeremy, thanks for joining us, man. Jack, thanks for having me, man. Um, I think it's important to know. And look, when I woke up this morning, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to go to work. But look, it's important that we solidify ourselves as the podcast team that shows impeccable grit. And my first thought today was not, let's make today easier. Let's go drink some water. Let's go take some Tylenol and put on our pajamas. It was, hey, let's get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Let's do a mental toughness pod and let's win the day. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to fight the demons. No free serotonin. Uh, and let's do it, man. I think the key is, man, you know, when we were all growing up playing, there was what mental toughness grit was supposed to look like on a day-to-day basis, right? Like I can work out harder. I can be the first one in the gym and the last to leave. You know, there's a really unknown, I think, phenomenon for a lot of middle-aged, washed-up fucking idiots and losers like ourselves, what that looks like on day-to-day. There's something beautiful in the day-to-day grind of forcing yourself to take on a job and go to work and, and hey, I'm going to fucking bust my ass this day. And you've done it so far, man. I, I appreciate you joining us. I mean, you're, uh, you're ready to rock and roll. Let's do it, man. Yeah, you know, I... Uh... Just getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, man. Putting yourself in situations that you don't want to be in. You know, look, we're at the age now, and we have to accept the fact that if I go play one round of golf in sub-50 degree weather, there's a 75% chance I wake up with a sore throat, you know? And <laughs> What's that not, look like? Give, give us a backstory of what it looked like. What, what caused you to get sick? Or is it, in my opinion, hypothetically speaking, maybe like a prolonged 48-hour hangover? Yeah, well, I do think that probably the three consecutive days of drinking didn't help with my immune system. But um, look, when you grind, you grind like me. Sometimes you have to shine like me. You know, I went on a little bit of a went on a trip, played some golf. I went up to the Poconos. Shout out uh, the Office fans. Uh, Played a little golf. A little cold, a little rainy, and this is the byproduct of that fun, man. Uh, you, you look good, man. I appreciate it. Uh, couldn't have put on any clothes for us, though? <laughs> That's classic. No, I, I pay. Authenticity, man. Right up your alley. Um, how are the Poconos? Sounds pretty fucking white collar of you. We're talking Dude. about toughness and grit. Yeah. So I did <laughs> drive up there in my sandals, so it was pretty white collar of me. But the Poconos are cool, man. I always thought the Poconos, I've really never spent much time there. I always I've, thought it was more like rural mountainy, 
and like kind of like middle of nowhere. But dude, there's like fucking money in the Poconos. It's That's like kind of close, kind of close to New York. Yeah. That's what I would have associated it with. Yeah, and, like, and what, uh, like I, when I hear the Poconos, I think of the Hamptons. Like, I just think that's like someone's like second home. Oh, place. no, no. I I'm mean, wrong. yeah, yeah. It's a lot of second homes, and there's a lot of wealth. But yeah, I mean, that's funny you say that though, because being from PA, like growing up, my idea of the Poconos was just like the mountains, nothing. But there are select areas that are like, I don't want to say Hampton-ish, but like you can tell these are you know rich bankers from New York that drive an hour and a half southwest and go blow a million bucks to the fucking casino down the street. So, yeah. That would be pretty So, yeah, cool. that's basically what I did. <laughs> did you go to the casino? No, we didn't. We were hoping that someone was going to hit a hole-in-one so we could, but... That's smart. We were just... We, were, we didn't have the time. Or no, it was a good fun. move. No, yeah. That was a good move. Yeah. yeah. We, we did Vegas uh, for a bachelor party uh, with some of my good high school buddies, and... Um, not going to going to Vegas poor is a, a bad business decision. Uh, leaving still poor it didn't really affect me because I showed up poor. But dude, it's like I mean, it's like Disney World on crack, dude. Like it is like it's a Disney World for adults, excuse me, and then on crack. It's just it's terrifying. Like there's no other way to put. It. Like there is so much going on, and I don't know if I mentioned this maybe in the last episode. But the statistical anomaly that I pulled off on my first day in Vegas, walked in, $100 on black, because obviously, it's just, shout out to George Mason, every Monday in the D.C. area, we'd go and do that. It was just a no-brainer. I lost. 50-50 shot, that's not an anomaly. But going and sitting out on the blackjack table and losing eight hands in a row, not a push, not dealer hit blackjack four times, and I got no shot. Like, are you kidding me? I lost all my fucking seed money before an hour in. I was like, well, this is going to be terrible. But we fought, we clawed, yeah. and I literally left damn near even. But it's, a, you know, that's mental toughness because I was well, yeah, petrified. That, that you have to highlight. That's an incredible comeback. Thank you. Man, yeah, walk me – like, I've never been to Vegas. Walk me through, like, a – walk me through, like, a full day of Las Vegas. Like, what do you do? Dude, I, there's – the days just are like they're forever long. If I were to go back, man, we did a couple shows that were like actually really cool. I wanted to do like the Blue Man Group or like the Magician stuff. We didn't do any of that. But if I were to go back, that's how I would do it. But the, when we went, it was like legitimately like we walked and did. We stayed at the Flamingo, which is the oldest. It's kind of cool. You'll appreciate the historical aspect of this. It was the oldest casino and like hotel on the Strip. It's like the very first one that they put up and it was owned by like the mob bosses. Like it was like the, oh, that's cool. the mob like well, that. Like, uh, well, the Godfather 2 is like all about yeah. Vegas. Literally. Yeah. So yeah, like they built it. So we stayed there. Um, it was the cheapest casino on the strip, but it was all like, to me, it was like the Ritz. Like it was gorgeous. And then we went to like, little to we i almost said little caesars we went to caesars we went to bellagio <laughs> we did all those places <laughs> and they almost said little i should have wish i would have gone to little caesars save some money <laughs> do then we walked into those places and it was like oh so we're at the worst but i mean dude they were gorgeous so but like you're just you you are in the casinos all day long and then we would do like a group dinner and then we'd either go to like club or go drink some more and then just ended up back at a table until literally 
quite literally it's like the sun came up most days. I mean, it was, you want to talk about mental toughness, the grit to wake up the next day and go, oh, all right, let's just find a way not to lose a lot of money today. Well, the dagger, the though. Staying alive financially so you have enough to gamble with? No, because I'm a gigantic pussy. That was my strategy. Um, I did, To go there and to win, you have to treat money like it's not real. Like it's, scared money doesn't make money. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily for me because I was petrified. Like my money wasn't scared. My money was petrified. It was like a Halloween movie. It was real scared. And I was scared playing because of the start that I had, but found a way to make it back. And, um, but we had a good time, man. It was, it was a good group of guys and we were able to kind of see it through, but the guys that came with the most money treated like wasn't money ended up playing well you know, for someone petrified like me, that was infuriating, but we spent a lot of time in the sports book. Like we were there the opening night of the NFL season. So we sat down yeah, and we watched that Rams bills game in the Caesar in little Caesar's palace. Pretty sweet. <laughs> and uh, like, that was a crazy experience. Like watching guys walk up to the town and put like 10 grand on like an over. I was like, this is, this is like, fuck you money. Dude. It's so funny. We're going to watch this in like a year when we're on our private jet. And think about how life was when we were broke. When I when I lost two hundred dollars and I thought the world was gonna die and I back to make that two hundred back and I thought it was a god. When we're sitting in our PJ, this is gonna be nothing. I wouldn't even. It would be literally a waste of money for this podcast to bend over to pick two hundred dollars up at some point in our lives. Yeah, I'm literally gonna be sitting there in a sweatshirt woven with hundred dollar bills. <laughs> That'd be a pretty cool structure. <laughs> I was actually just thinking literally in my head right now. Maybe that's not feasible, but I think a sweatshirt that was just a bunch of cash would be a pretty cool sweatshirt. I can't believe no one's thought of that yet. I, I'm going to look on Amazon after this. I'll, I mean, I'll wear it for a pod. Oh, be sw- or I'll just go to the ATM and take out like 100K. Start, she would. Start selling uh, <laughs> together. Dude, enough on money though. Money is trivial, bro. Fuck money. Mostly because I don't have any. I do think this might be the poorest I've been since I was 19, all in the honor of chasing fame and glory through podcasting. And obviously other ventures, broadcasting, clearly, inspiring journeys. But uh, enough of that. Do you feel like Jordan right now? I mean, like you're putting on a hell of a performance. So, yeah, I do feel like Jordan. Um, I think maybe like a, I was trying to think of some other like famous sports events that I might feel a little bit more similar to. Um, obviously, Jordan is, is the flu game, which is probably the most similar to what I am. But I feel a little bit more like uh, Lamar Jackson week 13 of 2020 when he almost shit his pants on the field. That's a little bit more how I feel. Dude, did you see yesterday DK Metcalf had a sick game for the Seahawks? This is airing on the third. So yesterday was Sunday. Um DK Metcalf got carted off the field to just go take a shit. Like he literally, I mean, it was like taking an Uber from the sidelines to the locker room because he had to shit so bad. At, at that point, wouldn't that make you think that he shit himself and he didn't want to be on ESPN with a, a shit stains running down his pants? Is that like a PR cover up at that point? Because he just I don't know. Remember Paul Pierce did that in the NBA playoffs, like when I think he was in the prime with the Celtics. They got they carted him off the field. They were like literally holding him. It's like he like tore his Achilles on both sides, and they literally carry him off like the court. 
And then he came back and played. And everyone was like, what is, I mean, what an anomaly in the sports world. This guy came back, put on for the city. And then three years later, he's like, yeah, man, I just had his shit. It's like a promotional thing, you think? Like if yeah. someone's got a shit, they'll bring him back just to like add some flair to it. I love that <laughs> flair. I've had some flary shits recently, but yeah, I'm with that. Speaking of flair, I left my blue light glasses on to really feel smarter than I actually am. Right. You're giving a, you're giving Clark Kent vibes. <laughs> I've got Just a serious man. skinny fat body going on right now. So Clark Kent doesn't deserve that comparison, but thank you. I appreciate it. Is Clark Kent ripped? I mean, he's fucking Superman. So it gotta be. Yeah. Did you That's not know fair. Clark Kent? You knew Clark Kent was Superman, right? Well, I'm not a. I, I, yeah, so I, I knew he was Superman, but Clark Kent's. He's not actually Superman. He's like off duty Superman. Yeah, but like, right? doesn't you just get to like get rid of his body while he's off duty? Well, the Hulk does <laughs> it. He, the Hulk, when the Hulk's off duty, he's like a regular guy, right? And then he turns green and gets big, or no? I mean, like, does Superman turn green? No, maybe no, but Clark well, Kent. Well, no, turns I, no, okay, 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 okay. I jumped to conclusions. That kind of sounded like an asshole right there. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so, though. I wasn't really huge into Superman. I love me some Marvel shit, but DC kind of, like, sucks balls. No offense to Kevin Hickey, but they all suck balls. No, take that back, dude. I'm, I love the Marvel ones. Hey, what's the, what is that? Guardians of the Galaxy? Dude, can we talk about Kevin Hickey really quick? How I might be coming for his job. Let's tag him and quote it on everything. I'm in four fantasy football leagues, which is probably too many, but I love it. Um, and it's a cool way to stay in touch with a lot of good friends, but for fantasy football leagues, we are getting through week three. I'm 11 and one in all four fantasy football. I'm like, I'm fucking unbelievable at this. And the only one I lost, I lost by like two points. Yeah. That I was well, first off, that's phenomenal. Congratulations. Thank you. I feel uh, like I deserve to, a fucking award for that. To add on to that, the, team, the league you did lose in, uh, I'm undefeated in that one. So. Uh, negative Ghost Rider have not lost in that league, sir. Well, I'm about to lose. I'm about to lose this week. But I said through week. Three. Yeah, because whenever I check my scores, I check your scores because they're the only other undefeated. Uh, so you're. I was gonna say you're still riding high. Damn it, that's right. Hell yeah, all right. I'm not 11 and one in, in four leagues though. That's pretty. Big yeah, but deal. like, what is that gonna get me? Nothing. I gotta be able to see this thing through. So yeah, I mean, you're. It so could, you're it could potentially win you a lot of money. That would be pretty neat. I could go for that, but I'm and not scared. To Atlantic City, and then we'll—it won't be scared money. It'll be free money. It'll be free. It'll be absolutely free. I'll come up and we'll hit AC, and I will not be scared anymore. I'll be brave. I'll be mentally strong when I come to Atlantic City this time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a mental toughness uh, yeah. pod live from the casino. Oh. Yikes. <laughs> you know, to do some man on the street type interviews in the Atlantic City casino would be some of the best people watching in the world, though. Yeah, there's nothing better than interviewing a man who just lost the mortgage to his house. <laughs> I'm sure he'll have a lot of good things to say. Um, um, sir, sir, um, you had to feel feeling pretty down after that last hand. Obviously, the dealer really screws you over with the blackjack on the river. I can you talk to me about where your kids are going to go to school after a performance like this? Well, my wife's going to divorce me first, and then my kids are probably going to have to pick sides. So whatever she decides. 
That's kind of harsh, actually. I don't know where that came from. I don't know. Harsh reality. I mean, look, that's realistically probably what somebody would say if they just lost $300,000 on the craps table. Dude, couldn't be me. I'm just out here earning my money. <laughs> yeah, I don't go to the casinos because I don't, yeah. <laughs> I'm not earning the money. It's a fake way out, bro. I don't try to yeah. win my money. I'm all about earning it. Chase my bags, not stay in my bag. <laughs> I've never taken a dollar I haven't earned in my life. Facts. <laughs> Yo, let's talk about the, the Atlantic City, Philly area, though. Um, you mentioned you're undefeated. Your beloved Philadelphia Eagles, the only NFL team undefeated, your fantasy team undefeated. Sounds like they could use your help in the front office because these are two winning programs, franchises. Talk to me about where your head's at going into week five. Look, man, I try to go in there every week and we try to win the week. You know, if you start looking ahead, you start looking at week 16, week 17, you can't do that. You got to stay focused on the on the game. And that's the same mindset that Mr. Jalen Hurts has. Absolute stunning individual. The Eagles are back. The Phillies are not really back. They still kind of suck, but they're a game away from making the playoffs. But we'll see if your boys can uh, play a little defense against that. I know. We'll talk about Jalen Hurts, H-Town guy. No big deal. But as we go into tonight, obviously we'll probably post this tomorrow morning so that the Phillies and the Strohs will have two games left. So maybe the Phillies get it done tonight, but... I had a, a hot take. You know, we talked about how interleague play doesn't really happen this late into the year. So an Astros-Philly matchup the last week of the season going into the playoffs is pretty odd. As an Astros fan, who I would legitimately, I think, wear bullets for this organization, that's taken a lot of unwarranted criticism, really, in the last couple of years. I don't even know why. Um, Philly, probably the most beloved sports town in the country, is there any rhyme or reason to the fact that now that the Phillies have to have a win to get into the playoffs, if the Astros gift them a win, to kind of get a, a free pass from that fan base would be huge, I think, for the PR standpoint for the Houston Astros. I think it was all kind of developed early on. I think they knew that they needed the Phillies to kind of like, hey, man, those guys in Houston aren't that bad, actually. I mean, yeah, that's a good point. I think that if you're actually looking at it, Conspiracy-wise, I think when you have bigger markets like Philadelphia in the playoffs, I think that's just better for the league. So, yeah, maybe they looked at the schedule and they were like, let's put the Astros as the last series for the Phils to see maybe if that brings it down to the wire. But, I mean, yeah. I also would, just to, just to put it out there, I don't think any of the Astros, maybe not all of it, but I think that's some of the response to them. It definitely wasn't unwarranted. No, I you have know. to admit that they they were definitely the scapegoat, but they broke the rules. And that's not what we do here on the Penstock Podcast. So I appreciate you saying separate ourselves from that. Maybe I'll, I'll kind of introduce that now. So, you know, I talked about it. I'm going to be doing a, uh, I think I'm going to chronicle, you know, again, I'm an aspiring broadcaster. So learning how to be a broadcaster is learning how to write. I'm a pretty fucking horrible writer. So I've been talking to Jeremy about potentially doing some articles and blogs through the Pencil Talk Pod. We'll post them on our page. I think you should do it too if the Phillies get in. Obviously, you're a much better writer than me. You've been doing it for a long time. I mean, you are a, you're masters in writing. Guys got it going. 
but writing some articles, a game summary, so like a really professional game summary of game one of the ALDS for the Houston Astros and kind of chronicling, hopefully, a World Series run. And you can write a professional game summary and then I'll write it from an irrational fan and former player perspective. So I think it could be something that could be kind of fun. I mean, dude, if we get a Philly Strohs World Series, I would absolutely get my ass kicked at Citizens Bank. But yeah, no, without a doubt, without a doubt, yeah, because God knows you would not tone it down at all. You would would probably turn the volume up. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't be able to help myself. Which I mean, sounds fun, sounds fun and all, but in an environment like that, is is just legitimately not safe. It was all fine in 2019. No, excuse me. In 2020, when I was, no, what, I'm drunk. 2019? 2018, yeah. when we went, yeah. No, it was when all we went, fine in Danny in 2019 when I was in D.C. for the Nationals Astros World Series. My dad and I went to the game. Games one and two, the Strohs get their tails kicked in in Houston, but I'm at a bar in D.C. Those are the fakest fans in the country. They didn't yeah, care. Everybody I got a couple of drinks. From yeah. DC, right? They had no idea the Nationals existed until two weeks before. So it was like, I got kicked out of the bar because someone threw something at me. I just removed myself from the equation with some assistance. But in Philly, I would hope that they would appreciate how fucking in, you know, psychotic and insane I am. No, yeah, they definitely would appreciate it. Uh, just definitely not there and then. But I do like that line. What'd you say? I removed myself from this situation with a little assistance. <laughs> That's great. I do like that. Situation with assistance. Um, you've had a couple of experiences like that. And I think it's perfectly documented in that manner. It happens, man. Sometimes you got to get out of there. And sometimes you, it's selfish of you to do yourself. You know? I mean, you just, some people create problems. We just problem solve. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody gave me a rule book on how they had to be solved. They just need to be solved. Yeah. And if someone had to help me get to that point, then so be it. <laughs> <laughs> and if I need to go, I'll just start bumping people on the shoulder until they remove me. <laughs> until I scream that that establishment has rats. <laughs> and then if someone tries to punch me, I run away like a little girl. It's the easiest trick in the yeah. book. <laughs> Couldn't be me. Love or not a fighter. I couldn't say the same for you. <laughs> I'm not a fighter. I'm a, I'm a, an aggressive socialite. Facts. Aggressive socialite. <laughs> That's pretty good. I just love that. All right, man. Let's wrap it up. But I, before we wrap it up, as an aggressive socialite, I want in one clean sentence. I want you to explain to me what mental toughness means to you and how you are so bravely able to display it here today. Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for those kind words. I appreciate that because they're all true. Um, I would say mental toughness to me means not choosing the easy road, choosing the hard, hard road because it's hard. And that for us in this perspective is podcasting. If we can't, perform at our highest when we're at our lowest we won't make it so choose the hard road that's it amen to that like subscribe (laughs) repost you're not gonna find better motivation in any damn day than that right there couldn't have said it better without myself friend 
Hashtag no more sick days. <laughs> it's a movement. Never take one again. I'm all on board, man. Pencil talk out on that note. <laughs> <laughs> Wasting all my time, oh yeah.